Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, brought to you by the OC Church of Christ. The Deeper Dive Podcast is about going deeper into God's Word, learning new insight, and taking a fresh look at the verses that impact our daily lives. Today, we have the honor of hearing from David Jung. David Jung leads the church in Winnipeg, Canada with his wife, Erica. David is also a mental health counselor and a consultant and trainer for Achieve Center for Leadership with a focus on mediation, conflict resolution, and workplace performance training. This episode is the first of a two-part series, and it's from the Diversity Weekend held by the OC Church of Christ with the title being, Can't We All Just Get Along? So get your scuba gear and let's dive deep into God's Word. Here's David Jung. Hi, good evening, everybody. It's so great to see you. Um, I think um, when Steve introduced me, it's one of those things where, you know, I used to mess around with people because I'm not a good golf player. And so when I wanted to win, I would say, look at this guy. He's going to make an amazing shot. And they always miss every single time. That's my tactic. If you're no good at golf, just praise the guy a lot. And they all stressed out and they won't be able to hit. And so thanks, Steve. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, my name is David Jung. For some of you who don't know me, I am actually from Canada. And I'll tell you a little more about that. Uh, no, it's not a little part of the States. It's, it's actually a new country by itself. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I wanted to, um, you know, because I sometimes people give all these bios and stuff. I'm going to give my bio throughout who I am. And so you get little pieces of me. So you may, probably want to get to know me a little bit more than you want to. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you a question. You know, if you are part of this church um, for any length of time, or if you went through the study series, you'd know the answers. And if you're visiting with us, especially if you're online, welcome. I hope you have a fantastic time today. Um, if you're new with us, you know, we're a church. We believe in Jesus. We really do. And we study Jesus out. And for us to be able to, um, you know, place membership in the church, whether through baptism or through restoration or, or wherever your faith journey leads you, we do have a common thing that defines us. We have a study series. And I know that's changed over the years. But if I were to ask the members of the church and I were to say, hey, I have a friend who is at L and D. I know. You're like, what? What are you talking about? What, what am I talking about? Light and darkness. Did I say light and dark? I didn't. L and D, because we've even shortened it now. Now, some will say, you mean part one, part two, part five. Well, what are you talking about? Because, you know, <laughs> some parts, you just do one or two. I had to do an extended version because of who I am. But L and D, did I pre-interview anybody? I didn't. You are from perhaps different places all across uh, Orange County, but also across the world. I can be in Kuala Lumpur. I can be in the middle of Africa and I say, hey, my friends at L&D, they'd be like, ooh, that's awesome. Well, here, just to test it out for you. If I had a friend who just counted the cost, what's next? How do you know that? Because you went through the study series, right? And there's a reason why we created the study series is so that when somebody says, my friend's building their faith, you know, they're, you know, they're growing in their love for God, you know. No, I don't know what you mean. When we say there's a way, I mean, is it the only way to do that? No, but we have a definition of that where we're clear when we say, hey, someone's at L&D. They've looked at sin. They're at the study where they counted the cost. You know what I mean. Even when somebody says, hey, go make disciples, right? A lot of us would know what that means to a certain degree. Whether we do it or not, it's something else, but, but it's, that's, that's a thing. But we know what we're talking about because we go through things. You don't start off with counting the cost first. I don't know what you do in OC, but that's not what you should do. You, you get them on the same page. So why do we have that study series? So we share a common language. So when somebody says, go make disciples, we know what the rest of that is because there's steps to it. There's intentionality. There's no confusion. From the youngest Christian... Maybe they don't remember it, but they can recall it to a certain, oh yeah, that thing, right? You don't have to do all the studies, but it's nice to do a lot of them to get, you're on the same page. So you're counting the cost. You know what you're getting baptized into. You know this. For some of that, we're baptized into. What are you talking about? Probably go through the study series and you know what we're talking about. We speak a common language and that's how we really spread so fast. And I know that when I say go make disciples, you know what happens? We have an image in our head of what that means bring them to the church, bring them to Bible talk with life involving some food of some sort. You know, it's, it's actually loving them to the point where they start to see Jesus in us and we study systematically with them, right? Would you agree? No one's going to say, what are you talking about? Well, you probably need to go to the study series and I'm inviting you to do that. But here's an interesting passage. If you were to go through 
Just Matthew 18, you think about it. When someone sins against you, what are you supposed to do? Go gossip about it and tell everybody. No, I mean, that's what we do sometimes, but what do we do? We go and show our brother or our sister, they sin too, their fault. So if I were to ask you, how do you go? Oh, it's just time to go, you know, just go talk to them. There's varying levels of confusion when I ask people when someone sins again. Let me tell you, you will study the Bible and you will come into a church full of sinners. And sooner or later, you are going to sin against someone. They're going to sin against you. It's a guaranteed thing. If this never happened to you, you probably never come to church. Okay, I'm pretty sure of that. Christian sin, read the Bible. It's the most honest book in the world. No book writes that many bad things about their people and their leaders. Are you kidding me? They sin against each other. But can you imagine having no clear way of going to show your brother? And sometimes we'll do it awesome. Sometimes we won't do it awesome. And that's why I have a job. I don't mind. Go the wrong way. I don't care because I get paid by the hour. It doesn't matter to me. You sit down and you listen to people. And here's the funny thing. You have a lot of leaders. A lot of them are volunteers. You don't have time to sit down and have stuff that keeps going wrong. And you're having the same conversation again and again and again. And you're not sure why. And we'll talk about that. And so today, that's why the lesson, uh, uh, our, our lesson or, or our workshop, what do you want to call it? We're going to be here for till nine o'clock with a break in between. And you're online watching. I don't know how many people are online, but it's called the Go Conversation for a reason. And it's something we, we, I created as part of the ICOC Peacemakers program that's being taught. So about a thousand people we've trained to teach this, and hopefully it's a new language we can speak. Once again, it's a, it's a tool, not rules. You don't have to do it this way. Just like you don't have to go through the studies, but it's really useful. Because I know sometimes we get all funky and fantastic. We do all the studies, all different orders and stuff. But you got to include some of the stuff. You do. Because if you don't, they're not going to get who they're, who they're following. I think there are principles we can teach about the goal conversation that we can include some of the principles. But if we miss a bunch of them, you're going to have a real problem for sure. And so just a little bit about uh, me. This place is Winnipeg. Why do I put that up? Because very few people know where Winnipeg is. And then when I tell them, I, it's seven and a half hours north of Minneapolis, which is in the States, then I get another confused look. Where's Minneapolis? And I'm like, yeah, probably need to pay attention to geography class. But it's right up there where that little arrow points. And where you are is just south of Los Angeles. That's how far we are from you. It's quite a distance. It is a great place. Um, my wife and I were asked to go take care of the church there. We've been there for 24 years and people have not tried to kill us yet. So I think we're there. We're excited about that. We live there and it's a, it's a very, it's, it's the city's about 800,000 people. The entire province is a million. So most people live in Winnipeg. It's a very multicultural city. And I'll tell you, we love the church there, but there are legends that we heard about Winnipeg. It's very cold and there's lots of mosquitoes. And what we say is that, uh, we go from frostbite to mosquito bite. Those are the two seasons, okay? And so, yes, uh, because it's at the bottom of a river basin where, where glacial activity, it's very flat, water doesn't drain, and mosquitoes love standing water, and then they grow there. And they, one of the first questions I'm going to ask God, why did you make mosquitoes? But they feed birds. They could feed birds without feeding on me, right? So they could, but anyway, I, I digress. There's some bitterness toward mosquitoes. My goal conversation with them is to slap them till they die. And so that's one way to deal with it. So that's where we are. Also, this is my family. I love them very much. My wife is an incredible sister. She's Korean. Um, not, that's not why she's awesome, but she's awesome. I'm actually Chinese. No, that's not the same, okay, for some of those. You try that, you're gonna get real, people getting angry with you. No, it's not. It's in the general area, kinda, right? But at the same time, you know, we've, I mean, she's amazing. She would have been here with me, but she's actually finished, trying to finish her PhDs, you know, that thing that she's doing. She has till May to finish it. So if you just pray, help her to finish it. She just really needs the time. Those two other uh, young men beside us, they're our sons. And uh, the one on the far right to you, or left to you, whatever, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean, the, the taller one. Okay, his name is Xander. Uh, he's a disciple. He actually lives in Toronto. He's, a, he's in the singles, but he's got a girlfriend. Um, he's not going to be single very long, kingdom dating. And so the other one is also, he lives in South Korea. And so his name is Gabriel. 
And so they've been disciples eight and seven years, great people, we love them very much. And they truly empty nested because they don't take money from us anymore. That's true empty nesting. Not empty nesting with a direct line to my wallet. And so we also started dating and we realized we started dating in the same time and I was trying to feel which kidney to sell for their wedding. And so that's what's gonna happen for us. But we love them very much. And um, my wife and I, we've been around for about 30 years in uh, disciple, about 29 years in the ministry. My other bivocational, I do more than one job is I, um, I have some training in mental health, but that evolved more and more to conflict resolution and mediation. So I work in a secular company as well and I do uh, organizational health and we do workplace. And really a lot of the material is brought into the kingdom and it helps us with our organizational health as well. And I get a special uh, view on conflict and mediation. And today, hopefully some of those things can help you with your daily life. Because this stuff, hopefully you can use it even tonight. Because I don't like stuff that you gotta wait, you know, till it's a blue moon to use. I love stuff that you can use right away. So if you've ever been in an airport, your phone's out of batteries and you don't have a little battery charger with you, you're not gonna go buy one that says you need to go charge it. Cause if I can charge it, then why would I do that? I wanna buy one that I can use right out of the box. This stuff you can use out of the box. But what I ask you is don't do it in here. Okay, you might go, bro, I just need to talk to you. Not here you're not. It's cause I've made that mistake before and they're in the corner and I see you're using half the conversation, aren't you? So you shouldn't be. Wait till you get home especially if you're married to the person. Give it a night, Give, you, you know, ask me how I know this, right? Give it a night, let it settle in, and then have that conversation with your wife. Don't do it because there's this moment at 11.30 at night, maybe you're fighting with your spouse a little bit, and you have that moment to go, should I address it? Should I just leave it? It should take 15 minutes. 4.30 in the morning, you're still talking, and you're like, I shouldn't have started the conversation, but it's too late. So please don't do that. And also you need to sign a waiver. I'm not responsible for the damage, okay? <laughs> so as I move on, as we start thinking about this, many of you have been leaders and, and, and just Christians for a while. And if you learn, have not learned how to deal with conflict, your life is pretty miserable. But some of you know how to do it very, very well. And some of you don't do it very well at all. That's fine, and somewhere's in between. And so why is this important, this situation? Because you want to be able to explain to people why you do well, or what happens is you can't teach your kids. You know, I'm not very tall. I mean, I seem tall up here, but can you imagine me talking to an amazing basketball? Well, I'll just talk to Michael Jordan. And so how do you become an amazing basketball player? Well, you just take it down the court and dribble a lot, get away from all the people and just put it in the basket. Okay, well, if it's that simple, I should be able to do it except there's a whole lot of things that I'm not considering, that I'm 5'4", I don't have a 12 feet vertical, right? I'm not talented in that area, I have other talents. So for him to say, hey David, can you do that? He's not making it very explainable to me. So you have an amazing person that deals with conflict and they can't explain, you know, just go in there, bro. Trust God, be faithful. You should be able to take care of it. Okay, uh, that's like telling your 12 year old kid, put a CV, a resume together, we'll get that job. That's not how it works. There's some steps, right? And I'll tell you, if we don't know the steps, it becomes problematic. So here's a little chart for us to think about. There's different levels of competency, okay? So when you think about the first upper hand, left-hand quadrant, it's something called unconscious incompetence. You know what that means? I'm no good at something and I don't know it. That's really bad. That's the American Idol syndrome. You ever see, would you want to go up and embarrass yourself in front of 100 million people? They don't know how bad they are. But who's in the back? You're so good. You're so awesome. Grandma, the pet groomer, somebody who's lying to you, or maybe they believe it, but usually the British guy gets angry and says, you know, who's your voice coach? They should be shot, stuff like that. Because you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know. The other side is you're consciously incompetent. You know what? You know you're no good. That's good. That's fine. And then there's the other side where you're um, unconsciously competent. You're really good at it, but you don't know. You know what the problem with that is? If you're really good at something, you don't know it, you're not confident. You won't teach it to others. Well, I'm no good at it. But meanwhile, you're awesome at it. Where we want people to be is consciously competent. I'm good at it and I know I'm good at it. And then what happens is I can make it explainable. I can teach you how to do it. Unlike Michael Jordan is gonna tell me, just go score the basket. Really? Yeah, thanks. I, there's a lot of stuff in between. So if I were to say, hey, 
how do you deal with conflict? Because you're very effective at what if you don't know how to explain it? Well, then it dies with you. So we want to say, we want to make this material explainable, very clear, then transferable to someone you can coach, your kids, your Bible talk, your life group, even your friends. Because if you think about conflict, it's actually studying the Bible. This is where evangelists get all excited. What do you mean, conflict? Well, most times that you're studying Bible people, they have a conflict with God, don't they? That's the problem. Most likely the conflict with God involves conflict with other people. Right? And sometimes they have a conflict with themselves it's called sin. So you're actually, when you're studying the Bible, you're actually mediating between them and God, them and others, and even sometimes having that conversation. So some of these principles actually work in Bible study. So that's where the evangelism piece comes in. If you're visiting with us, these principles, whether you use the Bible or not, still work because it's based on research science. So when you start thinking about it, the dangerous thing is that people that are unconsciously incompetent, that means they don't know how bad they are, have the same level of confidence as someone who's consciously competent. They're like, what do you mean? It usually ends up with the last statement, I got this bro, and then dearly beloved, gather here to celebrate the life of so-and-so. Like, because they really thought they knew what they were doing when they were parachuting. They really thought, I got this bro. Meanwhile, they didn't take a course, I watched it on YouTube. Then they die, right? We don't want that. So at the end of the day, what we're looking for is to get us consciously competent of, hey, I'm good at this and I can explain it. And what I'm not good at, I'm not gonna try until I practice it out. So some of you are really great at this. Some of you are not, but do you know? But do you know? Because one of the dangerous things about being in a crisis, you don't know you're in a crisis. You don't know you're in trouble. And we're just gonna keep going and going and going. Does that make sense? So it's here, you're, it's, everybody has a space here. So if you know what you're doing, can you explain it? If you don't know what you're doing, can you be made aware of it, right? And generally the fruit around you will tell you bodies, people crying everywhere. You're probably not good at this, okay? If somebody will pay you for it, there's a good chance that um, they will. During the pandemic time, I've probably done, in the last two and a half years for our company, I think our business jumped up three, 400%. I've done almost 400, 380 workshops online. Half of it is conflict resolution. So anywhere between 45 minutes and six hours long, and people listen on Zoom. That's how badly, because the pandemic time, it increased that for people. So even when you come back to work at times, you left the person a certain way, and when you come back, they're not the same person anymore. It's the same for church. Well, bro, what happened to you? Well, I'll tell you what happened to me. Years of isolation, this world and fear, it messes things. In conflict, this increased crazy road rage, anxiety and depression, all that stuff. That causes a lot of conflict sometimes in church. So why is this topic so popular? Because we're experiencing and we need it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as we go on, I want you to think about this. And this is where I invite you to pull up pen and paper if you want to go old school or use your phone. I want you to think about a conflict that you'd be willing to analyze and look at. Not, not something that's going to cause trauma and trigger you, but something that you think about the last time somebody messed up and sinned against you. And so here's the questions I'd like to ask because we don't want to have examples where they have no, no reality. But one thing I don't want you to do is throw people under the bus. Don't use their names, okay? Don't use their rank and title. Well, I don't want to use his title, but he leads, he's the lead evangelist of the, no. Because in the end, you could, this place is small. You don't want to throw anybody under the bus, meaning that if you want to use an example, have a person that you can use the example, but don't expose them. Because you will get a chance to share a little bit with somebody in your sphere about how you've considered this. So ask the question, who was involved in this conflict with you? Who was involved in sinning against you? Because generally when people sin against you, it causes conflict. Where did it happen? It matters. When conflict and sin happens in church to me, it hurts a lot more than in the parking lot at Wendy's. Because there's expectations that Christians aren't supposed to sin at all, right? Especially ministers, you can't sin as a minister. Like, how can you? You're just, even though every king and every apostle sin, but not us, right? It's, it's no way. Where did it happen? If it happened in church, sometimes if it happens in home, at the home, it's very different than at work. Also, what was said, specifically what was said, because there are things in conflict that you can punch someone in the face, and, but they won't remember it as much as the hard word that you used. Because the healing happens physically, but the emotional scars, you're six years old. What was said, what was done, or what was not done by them? And once again, don't judge too quickly here because you could just be in a situation where you're perceiving this. It doesn't matter if it really happened or not. 
If you perceive it this way, it's something to think about because your perception is your reality. They may see it very different. Don't worry about it. We'll get to that. How did it make you feel? Or what was it like for you? Why is that important? Because over time, we don't remember the details of the conflict, but we remember how we felt. And the feelings drive these details. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes as preacher, you, you make stories bigger. And this is what I, I call it the fishing story, where my fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger every time. Like I don't know, after a while, it's bigger than the boat, I, I, but it doesn't matter. Then I get a bigger boat in my story. But we build a story, it's called preacher's latitude, but we have that and we usually bring the story to the point where it, it favors us and not the other person. They become a villain and I'm the hero, right? I'm the victim of them and they're the villain. And of course, it gets bigger, but how do the feelings, feelings fuel that? And after a while, the story is so messed up that you don't even remember what anything was. Also, also, how did you respond? How did they respond to maybe you sinning against them or them sinning against you? How did you respond to it? They threw a rock and you threw a rock back. Yeah, but they threw a bigger rock at me. Yeah, but he still threw a rock. Yeah, but you know, my background makes me throw rocks at people. We always have excuses, but how did you respond? And here's the other question that you might think through. What would you or they need to resolve this issue? What would they need? Sometimes you have people say, I don't need anything from you. I never want to talk to you again. No, I'm going to really try. If they don't want to talk to you, you become a stalker if you keep following them around. You can't do that. Now, of course, when they don't want to talk to you, they don't want to resolve with you. Their conflict is no longer with you anymore. It's with Jesus. Let Jesus take care of it. Romans 12, right? As far as it depends on you, make peace, live at peace with everybody. Let God do all the business. Sometimes we're trying to do God's work and God's like, be patient with me. There's only so much that we can do. So I'd like you to take a couple minutes, write, write the little story down. Write the little story down for yourself. You can, some people are you're doing it in Hawaii. I've got it in my head already. Write some of these details down so you can see maybe to map it going forward. If you're at home online, invite you to write some of the stuff down. You can use their name because no one's going to see it. Yeah, not in chat. Don't do that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. I don't want to cause conflict in the conflict resolution seminar. Jot down things that will help you remember. You don't have to write down the whole story, but things that help you remember. And if you're not writing this down because you're not comfortable doing that, I invite you to think about it. Think about some of these questions. What are some of the key points that you can remember that have kept you going? So if you see this person at a football game, there'd be 50,000 people there, but you see where they are. You're like, there they are. That's how you know. People that owe you money, you see them right away. Why do I have that big sandwich? You get you know, like, what's up with that? Yeah, totally. What do they owe you generally? What do you owe them? Once again, this is to remind you it's not a, a cathartic story writing. You can do that at home using the same questions. Also, this is a tip for those who are leaders. If somebody wants to talk to you about someone sinning against them, they want to talk to you about a conflict, get them to fill that out before they talk to you. So then go everywhere. They can keep it focused. It's really helpful for them. Can you write this down and let them process it so that you get focused, they get focused before they come and they spaghetti you, you know, the spaghetti everywhere. You're like, I, I can't even find what's, what begins. I don't know if that helps the leaders. You go, oh yeah, even your kids, even people that, that your neighbor, your friends, this works on everybody. Hey, can you write down some of these things that helps you to be able to sort it out? Because when everything's important, nothing's important. What's important for them? Because I decide sometimes what's important for them. Let them decide what they want to talk about. And then you can see right away, I'm not going to even start this conversation because I can't help you with that. They have a real estate dispute and they want to do real estate. I'm like, uh, I'm not a real estate agent. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what to do. But here, here's a phone number you can call. End of conversation. But sometimes it doesn't stop us from giving advice anyway because we don't know what we're talking about. We'll keep talking because it'll come up probably sometime. How's that going to work? It doesn't work. At least I know what I'm talking about and what I don't know, I don't know. So once again, that conscious incompetence, I know I'm no good at this, but I know somebody that can. Think about how much time that would have saved you the last time you did this and went, I don't even know what they're talking about because they don't know what they're talking about. And if they can't put this together, there's a reason why. They haven't sorted their thoughts yet. And so you're going to have this goalpost that keeps moving, but they expect you to meet needs they can't even define. How fun is that? You know, Jay, I want some food. What kind of food? Well, you know, just food. And he keeps coming back with stuff. No, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like, wouldn't it be easy if I told him what I wanted? Right? Well, this is how it works. So I don't know if that's useful to you already. We haven't even looked at passages yet in the Bible, but there's so many cool things in the Bible you can look at that helps with this. 
So I'm going to move on. I know it's probably giving you a lot of time to write down stuff, but it gives you an idea of why this is useful for that goal conversation. Because you want to know what you're talking about. You want to do that. So when you look through the Bible, right, the theology, the, the understanding of God and the way he does things should inform Christians of the way they deal with conflict. Worldly conflict resolution sounds, looks like this. Point a gun out, stop fighting, stop fighting, or we'll shoot you. Conflict over. It's done. Conflict resolved. Not really, though, because when I take the guns away, you know what happens? They start fighting again. So I had some friends, like back in the day, my household, you know, Asian family, I'm not saying it's all like that. When my dad yelled, conflict was over. Me and my sister and brother would be fighting about something silly, but it seemed earth-changing, earth-shattering to us. My dad would come and blast. So power was the way to deal with conflict. But of course, when he left, oh man, we'd go at it again. I had another friend though. She had an interesting way her mom dealt with it. And um, whenever the kids would fight, the mom would bring in a bag of candy. The kids got candy to stop fighting. What the kids figured? Two things. One, they liked candy. And after, they manufactured conflicts to get candy. They didn't learn a lot about conflict resolution, but they certainly got a lot of cavities. They did. Maybe a little bit of diabetes with it too. But whatever it is, they learned about, I'm not sure if that was your household, but when we don't have a clear understanding of where we stand on conflict, we will approach it in a way where we're, we like it way too much, or we just don't deal with it properly and we just go quiet. I mean, in one of the books I'm going to recommend, it's called Peacemaking, is the best place we wanted to be, but it's peace faking and peace breaking. You know what I mean? Peace breaker, ah! you know, and peace, peace faking. Oh, it's all good, you know, just an eye. I mean, lost when I got another one. Like, like it's, that's what we do and it becomes problematic. Even certain cultures, there's certain things we won't have conflict about. Certain roles and responsibilities we won't have conflict about. Well, that's no good because in the new approach, being Christian, we got to shape the way we deal with conflict with the theology that matches with God. And so we have a personal mindset and approach to conflict. Thinking about your conflict example, how did you approach it? Don't judge yourself. Well, and we kind of, well, I should have done this. Okay, not what you should have done. What did you do? What's your personal mindset? It's that awareness piece. But then you gotta ask yourself, does it follow any Bible examples of how to deal with it? I mean, the healthy examples. There was unhealthy ways in the Bible too. And also different principles to support that approach in practice. Because if you can't find the principle or the example in the Bible, how come you do it that way? Because it's the book of opinions, chapter four, one of my favorite books. The book of David, chapter one, let's turn there. Like I, you can't do that, but we do. Because what we do is we gravitate to the family of origin, the way we saw conflict, dad yelling or the bag of candy. And we do it that way and you'll see it in home. You'll see it in church everywhere. And so what happens is we do it in a toxic way. We don't build the way God builds. And we're wondering why the house keeps falling down because God said so. So we look at this, these passages, I'm not gonna go through every one of them, but they're biblical examples of conflict resolution. And when people sin, this is how they get dealt with. If you look at Exodus 18, verse 13 to 27, everybody knows this passage. Moses and the gang of people left Egypt. They brought a whole lot of people that didn't want to be Egyptian slaves. Do you know not all of them were Israelites? There's a whole lot of people that didn't want to be slaves either. So you had mixed religions, mixed peoples. That's rife for conflict. Yeah. Exodus 18 happens before Exodus 20. You know what significant thing happens in Exodus 20? The Ten Commandments are given. So what happens in Exodus 18 is you have Moses lining up day and night with the people. And what was the issue? He needed to help them see God's will when they had disputes. If somebody says, well, that's the way to organize Bible talks. No, to organize disputes. But who brought him the idea? Jethro, his father-in-law said, hey, Moses, dude, I'm paraphrasing, of course. This is no good. You're going to tire yourself out because you're the only guy dealing with their conflict. You know what you need to do? Set up leaders, organize them, and set up and deal with the conflicts. Yeah. Remember who Jethro was? He was his father-in-law. What, what other title did Jethro hold? He's what? High priest of Midian. Do you think that's just the title? Like, you know, I wear a Harvard sweatshirt, but I didn't go there. You can't have that title without actively being a high priest of Midian. Do you know what those guys were into? Child sacrifice and all the things God hated. The Midianites would be a pain to the Israelites. So this high priest of Midian, I'm pretty sure he did some things that were against God, came and gave Moses some advice. Isn't that wacky and weird? Do you know? 
that before anything else, before the Ten Commandments were given, this was the first structure that God set up to help them deal with conflict brought in by a non-Christian. Hmm. So we give David a lot of this stuff from the world. You mean like what Jethro brought in? Jethro never followed Moses to the promised land. You know why? Because he needed to go back to his job as high priest of Midian. You don't just, well, he's high priest emeritus and he doesn't do that anymore. No way. They sacrificed children. They were immoral. They were nasty people. You're the high priest, the head honcho of that. You're doing something that's against God. But yet for some strange reason, God allowed great wisdom to be brought in by a sinful, broken person. Wrong religion, wrong way of doing it. But there was some wisdom from the world. You know, I know many of us are great musicians. How many of us went to the ICOC music school? Oh, none. Okay. A lot of you, you do mechanics. Anybody go to the ICOC school of mechanics? No. You bring in non-Christian teaching because it aligns with God's word. When it doesn't align with God's word, then it's wrong. A lot of the music, music can be pretty sinful, guys. You know this, right? Music can be awesome too. It depends on who's using it. So Jethro brought in conflict resolution principles to organize and not let one person do it. Maybe in your Bible talk, maybe you're the ministry leader. Maybe you're the person in the family who has to deal with all conflicts. Wouldn't you want to share the burden a little bit? And if you don't, you got a problem. You're probably codependent. Like you just want to be needed all the time. You might even create conflict to want to be needed. That's no good. So we start thinking about Jethro set this up. Moses set it up because I think, and this is just my opinion, that if they didn't deal with the conflicts in Exodus 18, they would have never made it to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. They would have never made it there. They were so bad. Why would you wait day and night to talk to one guy? Day and night you waited for him. Why is that? Because you had a problem you didn't know how to solve. So Moses had to come up with a better way. And I think our understanding is that we got to get a good at this. Because if we don't, you may never make it to the Ten Commandments if you don't fight. Dealing with people in the world. As we study the Bible with him, a lot of times, a lot of conflict with people. Don't you think some of this might be useful to them? It's very evangelistic. We think about Genesis 18. You know, when you look at this where, you know, they were bartering for Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, can you imagine being, like, okay, God, what about 30? What about 20? What about this? If anybody's been to the Middle East or some parts of the world, Africa, they have these bazaars, right? Where you just yell at people and then they yell at you back. And, and, and they go, so 20, well, God, I have a family. How can you do this to me? Whatever, back and forth. Well, can you imagine watching Abraham argue with God about how many people there should be? You go, oh, that's so disrespectful. Well, apparently to God, he didn't care. Bargaining, that conflict led to some amazing stuff, right? And so it's crazy to think about it. Where even in Genesis 32, you imagine Jacob walking around and God meets him for the first time. And remember what God asked him? Let's fight. Let's wrestle. As a mom, you're like, hey, you two, stop that right now. God's like, hey, you better be quiet. I'm going to smoke you if you don't get the, I need to do something here because Jacob needed to learn some stuff. God fought Jacob. He initiated the fight. Why? Because when conflict is done well, you got a blessing. Well, Genesis 25. Remember the whole soup incident, right? With Jacob and Esau. That wasn't done well. With some trickiness, you scheme your brother. And even to this day, the descendants of Esau, the Edomites, the modern day people there are still fighting the Israelites to this day. Well, they didn't do conflict well and they got a very bad curse because of it. So you see, conflict is not bad. It's the way you do it, right? You think of Judges 18, that's a horrible story you can't end. That's not a kingdom kids story, believe me. It was a situation with the concubine that wasn't getting along with her husband. And that marriage caused a lot of problems to the point where she was abused and killed. And this, this Levite just cut up her body parts and sent it to all the Israel. What are asking the question? They started war and they figured out, oh no, we almost wiped out a tribe here. We better get women for them. Oh, there's not enough women. Let's go back and forth. What a chaotic mess. And I'll tell you, Judges 18, completely forgot about Genesis, Genesis chapter, Exodus 18. Where did all the conflict resolution principles go? If you read it, Judges 18 will tell you right away. That's a gong show in the Bible. Like everything is just crazy in there where you think, how can the Bible not be true? The crazy stuff, just read it for some light reading before you go to bed. And in, in, in Judges 18, you're going to go, wow, how did Israel survive? They did conflict very badly and they forgot what happened in Exodus 18. There were no resolvers. And what's the big theme scripture in Judges? 
When Israel had no king, people did as they pleased. The good part of that scripture is good people do as they pleased. And bad people did as they pleased. Good people do what God wants. Bad people do what, what bad wants. And so we start thinking, this is biblical examples. And you can find many, many more of biblical examples of conflict. And our, res- our approach to dealing with sin, dealing with our brothers and sisters, dealing with our friends, it's got to be informed by the scriptures. If not, it's informed by you. Sometimes you might be lucky, you get it right. But most times you're going to bang into walls and not know why and blame the other person, blame all this. And God says, do it my way. If you don't, I am telling you, you're going to, it, bad things are going to happen to you. Yeah, but it's really uncomfortable. The word comfortable is never going to be in this workshop anywhere because it's uncomfortable to do with conflict. Just like when God wrestled, I mean, what happened to Jacob's hit? God snapped. And that's what happens, right? I think Kyle Spears, an awesome brother, he said, relationships are a conflict, uh, uh, a contact sport. It's true. It's true. You know, I don't want to freak anybody out here, but even the act of creating children from far away, it looks like conflict. You're wrestling each other. You're, you're not, obviously. Maybe you are, but whatever. What it is, that's the way to make life. You wrestle in prayer. Conflict. Conflict is beautiful. The ocean's being separated. There's a lot of violence there in a way where a lot of uproar. But that's how the world was created. And so when we think about it, if we avoid conflict, we're not really looking at what the Bible says. But if we run to it too much, we're not really looking at what the Bible says. There's times it's awesome, and there's times that it's not. So if your heart says, well, my brother sins against me, then I'm just going to go after him with an axe. Or if my brother sins against me, then I'm not going to talk about it because I'm just going to be a, a doormat. Both those approaches are wrong, and it won't help our church. A lot of times what we see these little conflicts are the seeds of very large conflicts. In 2003 was a huge conflict for us. And when we don't do it well, we lost a lot of people and the damage is still being felt today. It wasn't just a one-time situation. It's ongoing tooth rot. It's not just pulling it out one time. It's not, and it's still hurting us. No, no, it's not, it's not hurting us. Yeah, why am I so popular? Doesn't make sense. I'm in, from Winnipeg. Why, why, are we, why am I standing here? It's because you need, the, you need the conflict teaching across as we do our programs. I'm not important. It's the topic that's necessary. That's what the difference is, okay? Nobody thinks of garbage people until they don't work. Then everything starts to stink. You're like, wait a minute, I really needed that person. I didn't notice before. So as we move on, this is the passage we're going to focus on. This conflict resolution model is probably one of the number one scriptures that we show each other when somebody sins against you. For those taking pictures, this is in the Bible. I don't know if you know, it's, it's actually in the Bible. It's in, yeah, it's in there. Okay, I, I, yeah, I just let you know. The other slides may not be, but it's, <laughs> sorry, I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just in the Bible, yeah. So Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go, okay, and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. That doesn't mean throw them out of the church. That's not, and, and it means to love them like you would a pagan or a tax collector, but they're not disciples. It means we love them. They don't become enemies. They just become enemies of God. I understand. But when we look at these, these are words I want to think about. Go. Just like we go make disciples, we don't have steps sometimes. So we go wherever we want. And so what if we unconsciously incompetent? So the way you go matters. So what if I go wrong and I say, well, that brother is just prideful. He's not listening. But I came in all wrong with an ax. and They weren't prideful. They were scared. It's a whole different thing. Not being sensitive to culture, experience, not being sensitive to anything. So this therapist Gottman said this, the way a conversation starts is usually the way it's going to end. If I start going wrong, what are the chances going to go right at the end? They won't. I don't care how we start. If God doesn't intervene, we, I mean, we can repent halfway through. But if we think we're right, when we go the wrong way, it's going to be problematic. Because not only do I not see that I'm wrong, then I blame them. Show. What do I show them? I usually show them a narrative that stacks up against me. Me being right, 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 right. And they're wrong. Even if... if even if I'm wrong, it's, it's, it's little, a minute. So I go from denial that I'm wrong to minimization how wrong I am to, well, if you weren't like that, then I wouldn't be like the flame shifting. 
I just don't own it though. I just don't own it. And so remember this, a rock does not remember as a window. If you're a rock flying through a window, you're not going to remember. A window remembers because it's broken. You're not going to remember the same way if you're the rock. And it's time for us to be able to learn, what do I mean by show this person? And also, I'm trying to win my brother, not crush him. There's a difference. If I go in with the mindset, I'm going to show you our motives, the way our face even looks. You know that face you get where you're like, you know, I want to talk to you, bro. Like, wow, great start. You know what I mean? Try it on your wife. See how that goes. It just doesn't go. And the Bible talks about bringing others. Does it not assume to bring others if it doesn't work for you that know more than you? That are a little more experienced? A little more spiritual? Okay, what if I bring in two others just like me? And then I say, well, I brought three brothers along and he still doesn't listen. Yeah, because you brought three of the same guy. Three of the same guy, Right? With some Canadian singer, you know, if you're looking for a knife, all you've got is a spoon. I don't need, well, I, I got more spoons for you. And so there's times when we're looking for this amazing plumber and it's an electrical problem. No, 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 bro. I'm going to bring in the best plumber in the city. Um, it's still an electrical problem. I'm going to bring in the world sector plumber. You don't even have a clue, bro. This guy has done so much plumbing in the planet. He's been a plumber for 45 years. Okay, I'm sorry, but it's an electrical problem. You know what? He's going to give it a shot because he's been anointed by God. It's still an electrical problem. And this is what it sounds like when the plumber tries to do it. We're gathered here to celebrate the life of this brother, the most amazing plumber that's ever existed, who tried electrical work because he was unconsciously incompetent and tried to do stuff. There's a science to this. There's a spirituality to this. Not for everything. But if it's been happening again and again, you're having the same three conversations, you're having the wrong conversations. We need to bring in people that know what they're talking about. They don't have to be professionals. Just look around for people that are effective with them. Hey, can you help me? Because I'm not effective. I don't care what t-shirt I wear. Sometimes I can be so awesome, but they just don't trust me. So I got a lot of skills, but they don't trust me. Let me tell you, all my degrees and all the things, when I'm fighting with my wife, she didn't care. Don't analyze me. But I can, though. I don't do it. You, you conflict stuff. I'm like, what? Oh, what? <laughs> I make money doing this. I don't care. It doesn't work with me. You're wrong. Well, you're wrong. You see? Now I'm five years old again. <laughs> so, Christian, do we not know way more than we do? Who here doesn't know how debt works? Right? Don't spend more than you have. I don't need an MBA for that. We don't do it, though. You know why? My emotions get in the way. The iPhone 14's out. <laughs> I need it, right? I know that. I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway because it feels good. It feels good. So when we bring others along, are they going to bring in the same emotional energy? So when I say something, I want it to land a certain way, the words and the intention. If someone can't do that for me, I'm bringing the wrong people in. You ever have that happen? I don't care how awesome of a plumber they are. I need an electrician. I need an electrician. The most basic electrician can handle something that the most complicated plumber can't. Conflict is something like that, where you may have some things that you have experience in you can help with. Does that make sense? So look at this passage. We're going to unpack this a little bit. How do you go, how do you go to others for conflict resolution? Think about the way you approach that conflict example. How did you approach it? What did you do? I want you to turn to the person beside you, if you don't mind. And in one sentence or two, say this. What was something that you did great? And was it something you didn't do great? Well, they'll turn the whole conflict. You don't need to do that. You know, in my conflict, you know, I went in and yelled at them. Yeah, that, that, that wasn't awesome. Or something I really did great. You know, I only yelled at them a little bit and then I stopped. Took whatever it was. Think about the conflict. What do you see now? What did you do? And it's a checking awareness. So turn to the person beside you. And say, hey, if you don't have someone beside you, go find a friend and say, hey, in my conflict example, don't give them tons of context. What did you do well and what, did you, what could you have done better? If you have three, talk to three. It's okay. It's not a sin. If you're at home, talk to someone. Chat online. Remember, no names. No names. Made this mistake before. What did you do good? And what could you have done better? Some of this is the essence of what went wrong. What could I have done differently? What did I do well? So thank you, partners. High five or whatever you do here. Whatever's COVID pretty. Like, say thank you so much for listening to me.
I don't know how it felt for you to be able to kind of encapsulate, because we give a lot of details, but sometimes it gets down to, you know what, I did this well, and I didn't do this well. It, it, it's just as simple as that to walk through. Now, I'm not talking about multilateral conflicts, you know, between Russia and Ukraine. I'm not talking about that. Most stuff aren't that level at your house, I think. Right? I, you, got, you might need some serious support. But average things involve stuff like, you know, how come we waited so long in the line at Costco? We could have went to, you know, Walmart and get that. Well, I like Costco. I like the hot dogs there. could be something as simple as that. The stuff that I get talked to about, I can't believe people are paying me money for this. The thing about it is it doesn't matter because it's not about the cutlery. It's about your relationship. That's what it is. You can fight about stuff. In the end, you're going to fight about the silliest things is because you're mad at the person. It has nothing to do with scallops or, or chicken. It doesn't matter. Because you know this. If somebody says, you know, honey, can you pass the salt? I'll pass the salt. <laughs> you have some strong convictions about salt. I don't think so. You know something's wrong. And so as we start thinking about this, question where is practice makes what? Practice makes perfect. That's what we say, Okay. But what happens is, if you do it wrong, practice makes permanent. Practice makes permanent if you do it wrong. See, proper practice makes perfect. So what if I work harder? What if I don't know what I'm doing? Remember? The plumber, electric, oh, I'm going to keep going for it. Listen, you're going to electrocute yourself, bro. I know you need to see Jesus, but not just right away, right? So at the same time, can you imagine in heaven? Yeah, what are you doing, man? Your license says plumber. What were you doing? Right? You get out a whole life. But you know, I tried warning you with the little zaps, but after a while, I'm not going to violate physics just for you. Right? So at the end of the day, practice makes permanent. Well, bro, it's been working for me. But can you explain how it works? So many of us, we practice and practice and practice. Effort does not mean productivity. So as strong as Steve is, he can push against that wall. The building's not going to move. And there's something I don't know about him. Pushing, pushing, he's going to sweat. His muscles are going to hurt. It's going to be great. The only thing he's going to get is sore back. The building won't move if we're looking to move the building. There are times we'll try and try and try without realizing that it's okay to recognize that effort, hard work, but the wrong tool, the wrong tool, you'll never get it done. Do you know that most household tools are broken because they're used for the wrong purpose? How many butter knives are, have little dents in it because you try to use it as a screwdriver? Not meant for a screwdriver. Would you use a screwdriver to cut a steak? You wouldn't, would you? Well, why would you do that? Well, I'm just too lazy to go get one. Well, then have fun with all the broken knives. For us as disciples, we have learned a way. And oftentimes, you know what, bro? Go, go pray about it more. What if you're doing the wrong thing? I don't care how much you pray about it. I'm going to pray about this brother who's a plumber to do electrical work. God says, I'm going to give you that miracle. Go to school for that. Why would I do that for you? That doesn't make any sense. That's a silly prayer. And as we think about this, the goal conversation has steps to it. And once again, this is a tool, not a rule. It's got four steps. It's called plan and name the issue. Be curious and listen. Share your opinion. And you repeat one to three till you figure out what the issue is. Then you resolve it. It's just as simple as that, but very difficult when you start breaking it down. Let me tell you why my favorite is. I want to start at number three. Yeah, share my opinion. What's the issue? Doesn't matter. I'm going to share my opinion. I got 10 pieces to a 100-piece puzzle. I'm going to tell you it's a wombat. It's a, for sure it's a wombat. Meanwhile, well, you only got the corner piece. You don't know what it looks like. I just know because I've been around a long time. Let me explain this to me, myself. I don't care how long I've been around. I'm still not a mind reader. I, I don't care how I've been around. How am I going to know the situation? Now, it may be similar to situations, but the idea for me is I love going to number three. Don't you? I want, to share, I want to ask a bunch of questions, just waste time. Since I already know what's going on, we do it with our kids. And there's a point in time, they go, you know what, what's the point of talking to mom? She won't even listen. And then that comes up in counseling later on. Thanks, thanks, by the way. You know, we don't mind. Kingdom kids love it. And also the teen ministry too, right? Yeah, my mom, you know, she doesn't listen to me. Oh, okay, how do we talk to your mom about it? Oh, she won't matter. She won't listen. Let me tell you, this stuff shows up in home. It's serious now. It shows up in church. This kind of stuff, when it's done wrong, is the poison in our home, hypocrisy. And so we started thinking about it. even my own life, my kids, man, when our kids lied, we asked two questions. One, why did you lie? And secondly, what conditions did we create in the home for you to lie? That's important to know. I want to make sure it's not us. 
Because if it is, we need to do some stuff. But that only will happen with one and two instead of jumping to three. I think when they're one year old, you can go for the three because they don't know what they're doing. They're going to kill themselves if they go their own way. You know what I mean? They will. I want to, you know, I want to eat this Tide Pod. No, there's no listening, no validating of your feelings. It's not going to happen. When they start getting older, they do have these things practicing. Because what's cute at five is not cute at 15. It's just not. Okay. But some things they're sinful at five will still be sinful at 15. There's no magic kingdom kids solution for this. There isn't. So when I practice and show sharing my opinion first, they will also do the same thing. And then I'll power over them. Yeah, you need to listen to me. You mean like you listen to me? You know, a sermon is caught more than taught, as you probably know, right? They catch what I do more than what I say. I learned to smoke because my dad was telling me while he was smoking not to smoke. I was like, oh yeah? How's that working for you? You look pretty cool doing it, right? And as we think about this, sharing my opinion first is my number one choice. Think about your situation. Did you know what was going on before you start sharing? Did you know what was really going on? And so when we don't, that's probably the conversation issue right there. So plan and name the issue. <clears throat> when you think of Proverbs, planning. Who thinks about planning a conversation when someone sins against you? It's especially then, because you're emotional. You just got kicked. And so you've got to be able to make a plan, especially if this person's got historical conflict with you, somebody that's a key relationship, somebody where they can fire you. It's important, okay? Well, the Bible says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. I want to win profit in this argument. I want our relationship to pay dividends, not cost me taxes. When somebody doesn't trust you, you pay heavy taxes. You do. Hey, Jay, can you do this? What do you mean by that? You see, taxes. It takes forever. When you trust someone, a handshake can take care of it. You don't trust someone, stacks and stacks and stacks of paperwork. Warren Buffett made hundreds of millions of dollars of deals shaking people's hands because he trusted them. But for much smaller deals, he's written a lot of paperwork because he doesn't trust, because he doesn't know who you are. But in the end of the day, if I don't plan, I'm going to go to poverty in all my relationships. So what does planning look like? Thinking about the situation, asking questions. I call the reporter questions. Who? Why? When? Where? How? What? are the questions that you started answering in the beginning. Because if we don't plan it out, we're going to get surprised by the information that we miss. Because when I'm emotional, I don't, bless you, when I, I get emotional, I don't ask the right questions. I don't ask for the big picture. I only focus on the picture that's important for me. And so why is this important for me? Because if I am talking about the wrong stuff, I'm trying to solve the wrong issue that doesn't even really solve it. One Stanford professor said this, if I had an hour to solve a problem to, that my life depended on, it's a pretty big problem, I would spend 45 minutes defining the problem. Defining the problem. Have you ever raced into try to solve a problem and it's the wrong problem? Oh, is that what you're talking about? Man, I should have listened first, huh? Right? I shoot first, interview later. That's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. Right? For me, planning involves making sure I know the answers to these questions. And if I don't know the answers, those are the first questions I'm going to ask. Hey, who, are you upset or is it your wife? Do you know how many conflicts I've been in where the brother sat down and the brother agrees and he goes home the next day he doesn't agree again? We're like, huh, what's the problem here? And after a while you realize it's the wives that are mad at each other and not even the brothers. Well, they get the wrong people in the room. Well, you go back and tell him this. And they go like, yeah, and, um, you know, I believe that, um, uh, and I'm like, are you reading that? Like, what are you doing? It's not their convictions. And we've had that many times. It's the sisters that are mad at each other, or sometimes it's the brothers and they're fighting through their kids. Something wrong. And we don't ask these questions. We're trying to plan. We don't plan. Well, we're going to come to poverty and waste all this time, energy, and money. And many people who are volunteers get burned out because they're like, we're never going to get to the end of this. Wouldn't you rather just identify it very quickly? And if you can't identify it, then you gotta kind of go in and ask questions and maybe get lots of advice and say, okay, okay, what if you hear again and again that they've asked five other people the same thing? Then it's not about you, is it? It's a pattern that you see in other people. Instead of saying, well, you know, it's just about me and getting all insecure. And, and when you see the pattern, it gets pretty powerful. So thinking about planning, well, what would you do differently? Thinking about your conflict. Write a few things down. What questions were missed in your initial thinking about how you dealt with that 
when somebody's sensing at you, when you, when you remember the initial conversation you wrote about, what's something that you would like to know? You know what? I think I missed the big how question. So maybe even check off, like write a few words down. I need to go and explore the how. I need to explore the what in this question. Because if I don't think about it, I'm going to feel about it. And my feelings drag me everywhere. You think about salespeople. I'm not nailing salespeople, but they sell to your heart, not to your mind. And I'll tell you what I mean. When something costs $599, what I say, oh, that's 500 bucks. That's my heart says. My mind says, wait, that's $1 from 600, right? What does this really cool looking thing has to do with a washing machine? It doesn't because you sell to the heart, right? Salespeople, hey bro, I mean, hey, hey Steve, man, you look like a really awesome guy. Listen, I don't do this for everybody, but, but I like you. I'm gonna give you 30%, bro, I could lose my job if I tell this. <laughs> but if you buy this from me in the next 10 minutes, you know what, I'm gonna give you 15 because you're a good guy. But once you leave this table, I don't wanna risk my job. I got a family. But if you get up from this table, I won't be able to do it for you. But hey, listen, I'm, I'm not just saying this, but I really do like you. You're Christian, minister, gotcha, okay? So listen, don't tell anybody, all right? I bet you say that to all the girls, and they do. I know. What's he trying to sell? He's not selling to Steve's mind. He's selling to Steve's heart. And we know this. Advertising will tell you how this works. I will follow my heart before I follow my mind. And we know this. We don't plan. We will follow our emotions. Not, I'm not saying it's wrong to follow your emotions, but it can't be the only thing, right? When you think Esau, when he sold it for a bowl of soup, you think he was thinking real hard? Not at all. He was using, oh, I'm hungry, right? And so I, I like to say this. You never make decisions when you're in a halt situation. H-A-L-T. Anybody heard of this before? Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Don't make decisions. Because you know what you do with prisoners of war? You make them hungry. You make them angry. You make them lonely. You make them tired. Then you get info out of them. Why would I do that to myself? Right? Why would I do that to myself? And I'm not going to be my best self, right? And so... Planning involves, okay, I'm not going to do it this time. You know why? Because it's, I'm, it's two in the, remember the 11 o'clock? I think I'm going to dress it. It'll take 15 minutes. No, man, that's a fail. <laughs> like it's, it's wrong. Next thing, even naming the issue. I want you to think about this passage. When they heard this, okay, this is talking about this riot in Ephesus, okay? And they're fighting about Artemis and silver and all that kind of stuff. But they made it a religious argument. And listen to what this says. Read the story. It's amazing. When they heard this, the crowd, okay, they were furious and began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So they're really excited, very fired up. But listen to this. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another. Most of the people did not even know why they were there, but they're really loud. If you read the story, it's hilarious. Not so much for the apostles that were involved and they got beaten for it. Where the idea is that when you're not specific with an example and clear about what the issue is, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? So if you go in talking about everything, you're going to end up talking about everything and it gives the person a way out to dodge and do Bible gymnastics around it. Versus, hey, Jay, you know what, bro, can I, can I ask you something? I, um, you made a comment the other day and I wanted to get some clarification about that. It was about my shoes. And I, I'm just wondering, can you, can we talk about that a little? As opposed to, hey, you know, I didn't appreciate the way you disrespected me about my shoes. Like, very, one is like, mm, 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 and the other one is, I just, I do, I am curious about it. It takes a little bit of planning. Because, wow, how do you do that? Because I plan statements like that out to make sure that he's not feeling judged. And it could be totally something very different than what I think. So, thinking about this, about your example, what specific thing did they do with an example? Remember, you're trying to go to them for a conflict resolution situation because they syndicate. What specific thing? Well, they were disrespectful. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, they were, you know, disrespectful. You know what disrespectful is? No, I don't. I don't know what that means. What does that mean for you? And I use this in my workshops a lot. Can someone explain this statement to me? For those who know it because you've watched me online, don't answer, please. The chicken is ready to eat. What's that mean? I know you don't trust me where you go. What's up this sleeve here? The chicken's ready to eat. What does that mean? Hello? Like what? We're still here? Yeah, yeah. The chicken's ready to eat. What does it mean? 
Who's ready to eat the dinner? So the chicken is ready to eat the dinner. What's another way? What's another meaning of that? The chicken is cooked, ready for me. One's good for the chicken. One's not so good for the chicken. You might go, I never thought of that way before. When I do these workshops in rural communities, most people think, well, okay, I used to do chores. I used to feed the chickens. A lot of people in the cities that never go, why, why would you feed a chicken? Comes in a little package. In a, in a drumstick. Like, what are you talking about? Because it's your context, right? Not a workshop where somebody says, you know, I had a friend. His nickname was Chicken. And so I was like, what? Because, yeah, I thought he was hungry. And I had this really strange guy in the back. Raised his hand, can I share something? I'm like, yeah, what? Well, it could also mean you guys are ready to eat your friend. And we're like, he, he's not married for sure, right? Like, there's something up with him. So it went from confusion about what's ready to eat to cannibalism. And that's how far it went. So the simple statement is the chicken is ready to eat. What if it's something more complicated? I need you to be more professional at work. I need you to be more humble. What does that mean? What does that mean? No example. They can, well, I am humble. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. And that's how it looks. That's what it looks like. Okay, bro, what do you mean by her not being humble? Well, she doesn't agree with me. Oh, so to be humble is to agree with you. Can you just say that five times fast and let me know what that means? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that is kind of silly. Oh, okay, well, that's not what I mean then. And what do you mean? You've been fighting about it for two days. You don't even know what you're talking about? Yeah, go away, figure it out. And when you come back, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? If you can't define it, it becomes a chicken ready to eat. And nobody knows what they're talking about. I don't mind, once again, I don't care. I sit with you, charge you money to ask what's going on. Sit with you, charge you money what's going on. I sit you together and charge you money again. And you figure it out. Oh, it was a major misunderstanding. Uh-huh, but why are we paying you? Because you couldn't figure it out. That's why. I do believe stupidity should cost money. It should. That's what, for me, if I don't know what I'm doing, it's going to cost me money. Well, if we learn how to do it, we don't have to do this. We don't have to waste time. Most people who deal with conflict, you're like, is that what you're fighting about? That's not the issue. They don't know how. And so what if we asked, if you're specific with the example, if you're specific of what it's about, can you be clear of what you're really addressing? When you say that brother is being a jerk, in the Greek, what's that in the Bible? There is no word jerk, like jerkus, like it's, it's not in there. Being a jerk, sometimes it means you're selfish or you take the last piece of chicken or whatever that means. If you're specific with an example, then they can address it with you. You might think, wow, this takes a long time to even address the issue. Because if you're targeting the wrong problem, you're gonna have this conversation. It's a nothing burger conversation. There's nothing in it. You get nothing out of it. And it is the number one thing in conflict resolution. What are you fighting about? What's the sin? What's the sin? Well, they're just being arrogant. Mm -hmm. Chicken's ready to eat. What do you mean by arrogant? Well, prideful. You're saying the same thing. You're using the thesaurus and give me all the words. Give me an example of arrogance. Well, they think they're better than me. What are they referring to? Well, think, Jay thinks he's better than me at playing the piano. Since I don't read music, nor do I play the piano, what's my problem? He is better than me at playing the piano. <laughs> so are we really talking about the piano? No, we're not. We're talking about maybe Jay's attitude about, well, I play the piano, you suck. Like, that's not the piano, is it? It's his attitude toward the non-piano players. You see? So we're arguing about Jay's piano skills. We're not really arguing about Jay's piano skills. We're talking about Jay's attitude toward me because I can't play piano. You see, there's a different argument there, right? Yeah. I've seen people go on and on about Jay. Well, if I had your privilege and background, I'd learn piano too. Now we're talking about social economics and development and privilege. How did it get from there? Like, how did it do that, right? It gets there. I, once again, I make money doing this. I don't care. Oh, do you want to take it down that road? Sure, let's go. So let's bring in graphs. Let's, let's do this. Versus in church, it's so destructive because you get conflict fatigue and you get tired and you find you just throw it in the top. Forget, I'm done. I'm out of here. We don't want that. Are we going to do this all right the first time? No, we're not. But I'll tell you, though, it's an amazing place to start. So plan it out and name the issue. So right before our break, I want you to think about your situation. What is the issue? So make sure it's connected before you start talking. Okay? I don't know if you noticed, the little plug is not connected to the tongue, to the brain, and we just spew and spew. So I'll leave you with this quote as we go on a 10-minute break, okay? 
kids tell you everything they know and then they shut up. Just figure that out. Adults will keep talking. They come to the end of their knowledge and they keep talking. Kids will tell you all they know and then they stop talking. Then they learn to be adults and they never do. For us, it's okay to be humble here. So you know what? I didn't plan that very well. I can see why it's a disaster. Yes, they were being prideful. Okay, what do you mean by prideful? Okay, wait, I gotta redefine it. Do you see how much thinking's involved? Jesus didn't ish it with people. Look, five-ish, you sin-ish. He nailed it. Hey, go sell everything you have and come follow me. Whoa, that's pretty, right in the middle. Very specific, right? We would have argued up and down with this person who's studying the Bible. We're not really getting to the heart of the issue. We're not getting to the heart of the issue. It really helps during Bible studies to get them to repent of something that's substantive. Because how do you measure repentance if you don't even know what they're repenting of? They're repenting of being a jerk. Good luck defining that, right? But selfishness, there's clear things about that. Thank you, David. Again, this is part one from our series. We will have part two in our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Deeper Dive by the OC Church of Christ. If you want to get connected to us or want to donate to the program, go to our website, occhurchofchrist.com or on social media at the OC Church. Join us next time for part two of Can't We All Just Get Along?